Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody this morning? Doing good? Um, I know you guys are a group who love Jesus because of the time you choose to come to church. It's very evident. Um, as Stu was saying, I my name is Jake, and I've been with YWAM for the last six and a half years. That's Youth with a Mission, an international missions organization. Um, one of their campuses is based here in Newcastle, so I've been rocking with those guys for a while. Um, interesting story about YWAM and my journey to YWAM. Um, about six and a half years ago, I was coming to Australia to do a course with YWAM. I had no intention of staying. I had no intention of spending the next six and a half plus years in Australia. I had no intention of marrying an Australian, which I did, who is amazing. Claire is the boss. Um, and so I'm, I'm totally new to travel, right? I'd never gotten on a plane by myself before. The longest flight I'd been on was a 45-minute flight from my hometown in Ohio to where my brother lived in Virginia. So very, I'm from America, by the way, in case you haven't noticed that. Yeah, good. Um, let's get past that. Um, don't want to focus on that. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm about to travel internationally for the first time. Had no idea what I was doing. I don't know how I got a visa. I don't even remember applying for a visa. Um, but I did. I figured that out. Um, packed everything up, get on the plane, terrified. I get to LA and almost missed my flight because I was at the wrong gate and was sitting there for a while. I'm like, man, I feel like I should be like, why isn't there anybody here? I feel like something should be happening right now. And then they're like, last call for flight 174. And I'm like, ah! run, took off, made it to the airplane, got on the plane, get to Sydney, Australia. Now, I had two days in Sydney before I was coming to Newcastle, and I had never been to Australia before, obviously, and I had no idea what the culture was like, nothing, and I booked a hostel in King's Cross for two nights, and the airline lost my luggage, and I had no idea how to get a SIM card working on my phone, and my credit card wouldn't work, so basically, I'm just this lost kid from Ohio wandering around the streets of Sydney in King's Cross, and I'm thinking, God, why have you brought me to this desolate place? What are you doing to me right now? I was totally lost, couldn't contact anyone. It was actually a very scary experience. And what I needed, what I really needed, I needed to look across the street and see somebody that I knew. You know, that's what I really needed in that moment. I needed someone who knew me or someone that I knew. And I think this is something that all of us experience um, in our hearts as humans. Every person has a need to not be alone. You know, we have a need to know and to be known. Um, and, and in that knowing and that being known, it's that kind of relief sort of no, not like, oh, no, not that guy, not him again. It's we have the need for that relief of being known. And some would call it love, yeah? We need to be loved, and we need to love. It's something that as humans we need. And I definitely needed, I needed somebody I knew. I needed my mom. I, need, I just needed somebody in that moment 
to help me through. And God actually did send some people that I met in the hostel who were actually um, coming to Australia for the same reason that I was. I survived. We're here today. I got. I had to survive on one change of clothes for three days. Anyway, thought you might find that funny. Um, it was painful. So today we're going to look at John chapter 4, um, verses 1 to 20 through 26. It's a story of this, the woman at the well. Most of us have, may be familiar with that story. Um, we're just going to read it, and I just want to take a few points from that story. going to let, let the story kind of speak for itself. And I think in this place, Jesus sets a really good example for us of loving one another, but a really good example of how to build a kingdom that is loving. And he addresses three issues in it that we're going to look at today. Um, Before I start reading, I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. And thank you that you're so patient and loving with us. And thank you that when we need to be known and we need someone we can know and not be afraid, you're that person, and you're always that way with us. So thank you for that. And I pray that today you would reveal to us ways that we can be that for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is speaking to you and says, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I will not be thirsty again or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. 
You worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Pretty great conversation, I'd say. Um, the well back in the day, every day you'd have to come to a well to get the water that you would need for the day. Um, so it's kind of like going to a coffee shop every day. You go to the coffee shop to get the coffee that you need to survive the day. Um, and it's actually a very unique story because this lady visits the well at the sixth hour, which is noon, so the hottest part of the day. Um, pretty, pretty irregular, actually. You would want to come get all your water kind of early in the morning it's when it's cool and you know before the day gets going. So it's very, very interesting that she's coming at this time of day, and we sort of see why a little bit later. But the first thing I want to draw our attention to is in verse 7 through 9. Um, a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away to buy food. The woman said to him, how is, that, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So this is a really intense cultural barrier that's in between these two people. And the first thing that I want to mention about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God, this place of love, this place of knowing that we're invited into, doesn't look on the outward, race, social standing, gender, or sin, but always looks to understand the heart of the person across from you. So this lady is, her, her interaction with Jesus right now is being determined by what she thinks is appropriate, right? And she thinks that her being um, a Jew, or him being a Jew and her being a Samaritan, is a barrier between their relationship. And so she automatically puts that up as, hey, we can't, we can't talk, we can't be seen together, we can't communicate with one another. There can't actually be a connection here between you and I. And I think that Jesus does something really amazing. He actually just glazes right over that, right? He just answers and he's like, actually, if you knew what I have to offer you, you'd be asking me for a drink right now. He jumps right over the comment about race that she brings up. And I think this is an invitation actually for us as children of the kingdom of God is that these are the type of things that we look over and not just look over, but later in the passage, Jesus says this in verse 22, you worship what you do not know. And we worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Later on, he actually validates that there is a reason why she's thinking this way. He actually says, I know that we have some pretty intense disagreements. I know that your social circle is like this and my social circle is like this, but none of that actually matters. What actually matters is that you want to worship God and I want to worship God. And what he does in the beginning is he, he comes to her asking for a drink and then he recognizes in her the fact that maybe she isn't physically thirsty, but spiritually she's definitely thirsty. So he draws a parallel here and he says, actually, I'm thirsty and you're thirsty. 
Can't we just help each other? And I think that this is a place for us as children of the kingdom of God in these areas, like our world is supercharged with these sort of issues. Yeah. Black Lives Matter in America and so many different things like that. And I think sometimes as Christians, we just automatically assume that because I'm a Christian, I, I don't have any issues with race or someone's gender identity or this or that or whatever it might be. But the invitation is this, two things. Number one, don't let that be a barrier, right? So in this space, Jesus is like, well, I'm not going to let that be a barrier because I know that you need this living water. I know that you need to be known and you need to know. I know you need love and I know that you need to love others. So he, he's like, I don't want that to be a barrier. But in the conversation, he actually takes the time to validate the difference. And he says, you know what? There are things in the past that have made this quite difficult, but I don't want that to be a barrier to our future together. The second thing that is beautiful about the kingdom of God that Jesus represents to us here and this way of loving is it looks for the common need and shared experiences of the people around them. And we sort of visited this just at the end of that last point, but I just wanted to stop on this because it's, there's looking, looking, not letting the barriers, the things that are different separate us, but it's actually going further than that. And it's diving in for the things that connect us. It's being people who are like, actually, if my only connection to you is that I really like one of the one of the classic connections between Claire and I as we were dating was we, we both love food, right? We love food. We love to cook. We love all different varieties of food. I'm half Mexican, so I love Mexican food, anything spicy, anything like that. I just love it. Clara loves to cook all sorts of things and it's amazing. That's definitely a connection for us. And if your only connection with the person that God's put on your heart or with the person next to you is food, connect real hard over food, right? Just find a way to connect with that thing. If your only connection is that you're a Manchester United supporter and that person's a Manchester United supporter, connect really hard over Manchester United. I know that's no one else in this room, but you know, sometimes we stand alone. Um, uh, whatever that connection is, Jesus is fishing for, for any connection that he can have. He's like, well, I'm actually physically really thirsty right now. It's noon. It's really hot. I've been walking all day and your soul's really thirsty. I, I, know, I know the answer to that. And you have a pot so I can have water. And I think that that's, that's such a beautiful place for us to be as children of God. And it's a, it's a sign really of humility when you're just grasping for those connections. You're like, whatever it is that connects me to you, I want that to be what I run after. And Jesus is really, he's really beautiful in the way that he validates her differences, but he also invites her into a different way of thinking, right? He's like, actually the rules were you have to worship here or you have to worship here, but the time is coming where it's not going to matter. And our connection is going to be just that we worship the Father. In verse 16, we get to a pretty intense part of the story, right? Not going to reread it, but Jesus, through revelation of the Spirit of the Father, he gets a little bit of a download as to this lady's personal life, right? And he's like, okay, we're going to continue this conversation. Go call your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, actually, you've, you've had five husbands and the guy that you're with now, you're not actually married to. And in this moment, 
he ministers supernaturally, but he ministers supernaturally by receiving a word of knowledge. And in this moment, this lady is incredibly vulnerable. Wouldn't you agree? Like at this point, he's just re- like, he's just read her mail. Who's really comfortable when somebody finds out you did something wrong? Anyone? No one. Wow, that's so strange. She's in this situation that's completely, just imagine walking up to a coffee shop. Uh-huh, I'm going to have, yes, I'll have a flat white. Didn't even know that was a thing until I came to Australia, by the way. Um, I'll have my flat white. And then someone's like, hey, man, I, I know that you, were, you lied to your dad yesterday. What? You what? And she actually handles it pretty well. Afterwards, she actually catches on that there's something different about this man. And in our, in our connecting with one another and being people of love towards one another, there are going to be moments when you, your love for someone is going to come to a point right here where you're going to have an opportunity, a really beautiful opportunity, because you'll find out the closer you get to someone, how imperfect they are, right? You'll find out that they have issues, they have things that they need to work on. And in this place, Jesus could have done anything. He could have said, and I am the master of the universe, so therefore thou art condemned. He could have said that. He could have just been like, okay, I don't really want to talk to you anymore. Since you, since you sort of tried to lie to me and deceive me, uh, so not only are you an adulteress, but you're also a liar. Like he could have gotten really nasty in that moment. But, oh man, he absolutely doesn't do that. He actually just lets it sit, just like he did with the issue of race just like he did with the issue of social differences, Jesus was not content for there to be any barrier between her and him. He was not okay with that, and he wasn't going to sit on it. So she says this to him. She makes an amazing choice because at this point, she's feeling crushed. She's feeling defeated, and she makes an amazing decision. She becomes vulnerable because Jesus doesn't crush her, right? Jesus doesn't say anything. He just says, I'm aware of what's going on. And she says this, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Basically, what she's saying is, okay, I can see that you, I can see that you're powerful. I can see that there's something real going on here. I can see that that, you, that you're probably right about whatever you, you're talking about, about race or, or sin. I, I get it. I get it. You're right. But what hope is there for me? I was taught to worship this way, and you say I have to worship this way. So, so how, can I, how can I worship if we're different? If you're right and I'm wrong, how can I possibly connect with God? And Jesus just says, look, it actually, it's true that we're different. It's true that we come from different backgrounds. It's true that we're not the same person. But it is also true that if you worship God in spirit and in truth, your worship is acceptable to him. So the kingdom of God, lastly, is a place where everyone is given dignity, especially in their most vulnerable state. So in the way that we love one another, it's, it's about choosing to be people Kind of like do to others what you would have them do unto you. But it's, it's more intentional than that. It's seeing someone in their vulnerable state and then looking after their heart again, like we talked about in the first point, and saying, look, I know that all you want to do right now is worship. Because that's what she asked about. She's like, I can't even worship God. 
because I'm different and because the rules say this. And Jesus was like, actually, you totally can. You can totally connect with God. There's nothing stopping you because it's not actually about which mountain you're worshiping on. It's not about the color of your skin. It's not about what theological background you might have. It's not about even whether or not you're a person of holiness or righteousness all the time, although that is important and you do want us to, to work towards that. But Jesus is saying these are not barriers. What is a barrier is if you won't worship. That's the barrier. The barrier is you saying no. I was thinking earlier, it's like, man, God uses the willing, right? It's the willing people that do things. We're talking about service. And I know Sam, Sam, Sam and I go way back. He was my connect, first connect group, second, yes, connect group leader. Awesome guy. And he, he exemplifies this so well of being someone that you just always feel dignified by. You always feel like you matter as a person. And so the invitation to us is pretty simple. This kingdom of God mentality, it's not always the easiest thing because sometimes there are things in your culture or um, sometimes there are racial barriers, sometimes there are social barriers, sometimes there's sin in our lives that it can be a struggle to connect with other people because you've got this thing behind you that just sort of weighs you down. So I think the key to this is being, if the band wants to come up, that would be great. Um, I think the key to this is that we be people, first of all, who hear one another and who listen to one another. In this conversation, I think actually the woman does quite well because she actually listens and receives the things that Jesus is saying, but Jesus listens and receives the, the things that she is saying. So in this place of loving extravagantly, it's simple, but regardless of the barriers that are going up, choose to be people who listen. The second thing is just remember that we're all thirsty. One of the, the biggest things, we can have a judgment maybe in our souls or in our spirits towards other people, but I believe that God's invited us to be aware of our brokenness and the place that we're at and to also realize, ah, the guy that I'm talking to is actually probably just as thirsty as I am. The people around me are just as desperate for the love of Christ as I am. So remembering that we're all thirsty. And the last thing is this. In the kingdom of God and in this place, we get to be one another's breakthrough. So Jesus eventually got a pot of water to drink from, and this lady got eternal life in that place. So by being people who listen to one another, by Jesus giving her dignity, it actually resulted in a situation where she ran back into the town telling everyone about this crazy guy that she met at the well. And the entire town actually gave their lives to Christ. It was a massive revival. And the beauty of that is when we love one another in this way, when we search, search for the truth in one another's hearts, we become breakthrough for one another. So I want to invite us into a time where we think about this idea, and I want to relate it to the fact that it's not always easy to do what Jesus did in this passage. There are some pretty big social differences. There, there is sin in people's lives, and we do have differences of theological opinions. And I just want to invite us in this moment to put that stuff at the cross, right at the foot of the cross, and say, Jesus, whatever it is, whoever it is, wherever it is, I want to be a son or a daughter 
who loves extravagantly, who loves well, who doesn't allow these barriers to stop your kingdom from growing, but builds your kingdom in the way I choose to do my life. Thank you.